Two, one, two. No, no, uh, no celebration music today. No celebration for anyone. No celebration this week. Yeah, well, even if the guards get. Shout out to the guards though, because we're going to the playoffs starting this Friday, and thank you God for giving me something to like in Cleveland right now. Uh, I mean, granted, I don't hate the Browns, obviously, but the guards and then the Cavs excitement is just making things a lot better right now. Hey. Welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. You got Kevin. And Raleigh. And we're coming at you live from Raleigh's living room because Raleigh made a fat pot of chili. It was yeah. very good. I, we had to enjoy that. We didn't even talk about it off air. Did you enjoy that chili? I did enjoy that chili. I think it was like the perfect amount of heat. Like a lot of people try to tinker with like, can I make it just a little bit spicy? And that was, I don't know if you did it intentionally, but I thought that was the right amount of heat. I know my hot stuff. Do you want the secret recipe? All of yeah. you guys can have the secret recipe. Don't think my mom will get mad at me sharing this, but a big old bottle of VA spice. Oh. It's no. Alright. I won't give you exact proportion for every single thing, but you go sausage, you go uh, ground beef or ground, ground turkey. Ground turkey. Gotta be healthy. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Does anything. <laughs> sausage. But uh, spices or whatever the vegetables and boom big old thing of v8 juice is a game changer all right so now we have a chili recipe see my thing is is i will eat chili whenever it's put in front of me i make a lot of chili in the fall and winter i just haven't made my first pot this year yet because when i make that first one i'm throwing the white flag and saying it's finally like cold Uh, and i'm wearing shorts right now and i'm not there yet i'm holding on for dear life yeah it might have been a little bit premature because i'm kind of sweating no that's fine though it's fine um, this is the first episode we've recorded with a sleeping child in the next room. So yeah. that's why we're shout out Quinn, the baby. We have to do a lot of, uh, yeah. And post is going to be a lot of making this a lot louder because we're half whispering in here, but Hey, that's part of life, baby. Um, all right. Before we get into our interview, welcome to chargers week. First of all, we're going to chat about, uh, the Falcons game real quick. I'm just going to make my, my points real quick. Um, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. And this is, again, I told you before we got on the mic, this is one of the times I'm so happy that we wait a few days before we actually talk about this past game. Because if we would do this like Sunday or Monday night, it'd be treacherous. Mostly because of the amount that we sometimes are overserved at the, <laughs> the Cleveland watering holes here in Chicago. Um, so let me just, uh, my summation after everything I've read and thought over the last and, and talk about with, with you and people over the past few days. Um, I'm just going to go right through it. Stefanski and Woods, I don't think any of them are on the hot seat. I don't think either of them are even close to being on the hot seat. I think the biggest problem with this game is that we didn't execute. I don't find it a problem with Stefanski's play calling. If you look at all the stats and numbers, which during the game, yes, I'm sitting there yelling, take the points. But then I actually look back at you know people that are much smarter than me about football. And I realize that everyone on that roster also wants to go for seven. 
in that moment. And so whatever, if they say they want to go for seven and Joku said it after the game, um, other people said it, I'll ride with them. The play or the, the play calling wasn't the issue all the way. It was just execution did not happen. And Jacoby played a terrible second half. It is what it is. Fourth quarter, we can't close games. I mean, we have had the lead in the fourth quarter of all four games, and we're two and two right now. I'm not even going to bring up the the last time we lost this season, but I mean, this is like college Kevin. That's me. Two a.m. all night long. Things are going great. You know, power moves, good plays. You're feeling great. You like where the score or the scoreboard's at, and then two a.m. comes around, and you just can't close. And then you go home just sad. Um, and that's what's been happening for uh, the fourth quarters for about of these 22 games. 22 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Not just college Kevin, just Kevin. So I was saying the Browns. We're not, oh, yeah, that too. We're not executing. This team has not figured out how to win games. They don't know how to close. Closing is the biggest thing here for me. Um, so there's – we held the Falcons to 23 points, and Mariota had seven completed passes. That's the good news. Because a lot of people were trying to, you know, kill the defense, which is our biggest, definitely our biggest letdown this year so far. The disappointment has been the defense on this team. But I still have faith because we're only a few games in and there's too much talent back there for it to be awful all year. It hasn't been awful, but it, not far off. Anyway, like I said, the, the, uh, the good news is that we held that Falcons 23 points and seven completions by Mariota. The bad news is that we held them to 23 points and seven completions and didn't win the goddamn football game. Um, last couple of things I'll say. The defense runs through Clowney and Miles. When those guys are not out there, it changes up everything. And I'm not going to get into the, the backup D line that we had in there and maybe who shouldn't be playing much moving forward, but that just puts a lot more pressure on the linebackers. And again, without those two big dogs setting that edge, it allows things, and again, of course, a little miscommunication perhaps or just not executing on some of these plays. It allows two unknown running backs to run it down our throat uh, that second half. I almost died two times that fourth series of the game when we were first in goal from the one-yard line and passed three times in a row. I almost died. And then I almost died uh, when we did the the flea flicker uh, reverse with Najoku. By the way, shot Najoku. He's playing like a tight end one. I don't care. Whatever. The fumble happened. Uh, yeah, that hurt real bad. But he's, you know, having a great year so far. And we wanted to keep that up. Um, so, yeah, we lost 23 to 20. We are now two and two. We're tied for first because the rest of the North is also having a putrid start. Um, I would love to be able to laugh and pick apart, you know, Baltimore and Pittsburgh and Cincinnati for, you know, their errors this season so far, but we can't. And that makes it even worse. So those are my thoughts. Um, I, I'm really not m- mad or worried or, or at all by any means. It's two and two. Uh, it's, you know, we're going into week five here and we have a gauntlet coming up of quarterbacks. and We have to win one of these games against the Bengals or the Ravens. That's what I got. Uh, good rant. Good notes. Well done. Um, Start with two and two. I think there were a lot of people, myself, assuming you included, that looked at the first four games of this schedule and thought we can win some or most of all, I guess we have won some, 
most possibly all of those games uh, were like a two and two team where you're frustrated with being two and two, but it's also like thank God we're not zero and four because that could very much have happened during all of those games. As far as the play calling goes, I think between the two twenties, it was I'm not going to say flawless, but it's right now it's one of the best in the NFL. A lot of the people that are critiquing the belief that Stefanski should give up play calling, meaning the people that are pro him being the play caller, are saying, well, they have a top four offense and they have the number one offense efficiency rating, which I'm not really sure how those ratings work, but they're ratings and it's a thing. That being said, we also played the Panthers, the Jets, the Broken Steelers team, and the Falcons. So I guess jot that down because it's about to get harder. I think a positive is these games, they've been frustrating, but, and big, big knock on wood here. I think the team, the fan base has realized that we do have the ability to score with Jacoby behind center. So hopefully now, instead of the advantage of going into those games and being able to lose some and having a, what do you call it? Basically padding until Deshaun gets here, which again, hope Deshaun comes out balling. Now it's kind of an even playing field. There's no one team in the entire league that's just running away with it. I guess possibly the Eagles, um, but it's it, it's a little bit frustrating this record. But also, I do think that we can possibly steal one from the Patriots. I don't know about the Chargers if they're waking up uh, and our if our defense doesn't make some huge huge adjustments. That could be a long ass ball game. Uh, Justin Herbert's like ranked, he's got like the most pass yards in the league right now. So that kind of sucks. There's no Joe Flacco against the Browns though. Um, As far as everything you said about not being able to close or the defense, I thought the defense showed up in a lot of those possessions. Like in the second half, there were numerous two, maybe three, three and outs in a row. That was huge. All credit to him. But at the same time, in the fourth quarter, they ran, I think it was 14 or 12 straight runs. Mm -hmm. And the Browns just looked like lost children out there. It was like, okay, somebody do something. Somebody make a play. I don't know if that's like the dysfunctions on defense. I don't know if it's Woods' scheme not resonating with the players. If the players truly are untalented, which that would be a bummer because they're very expensive for being not talented. I don't think they're not talented. There's a lot of proven guys back there, but there's something that's off. I'm hoping that they can identify it and fix it. And I don't have a whole lot of faith in Woods identifying and fixing it. Like he may be set in his ways, but I'm hoping to God, Stefanski, whether he's play calling or not, somebody on that, in that building can figure out where the disconnect is and more importantly, fix it. Because I just feel like we're not a Kevin Stefanski A plus game calling schedule a game away from being a good team. We just need to make our defense not one of the worst defenses in the league and get it to average. I'll take average, but holy shit, the lack of the inability to close like is that a mental thing? Is that a is that a I'm like, are, are these players just as scared as I am 
going in the fourth quarter. It's brutal. But somebody do something. Coach Stefanski, do something. Miles Garrett, heal. <laughs> Miles Garrett, heal. Never do the car thing again, please. Drive safely and do something. Clowny, also heal. Like, isn't this kind of like a long ass time he's been out for like a sprain that wasn't supposed to be that bad? Big knock on wood. Um, shout out Denzel for getting a pick that was needed. That was huge. I think him and Delpit had their one of their better games. Delpit had a big old play uh, to shut down. A, I, I I haven't even like watched the replay, and I will never watch the replay of that broken coverage that led to a fifty yard followed by a face mask. But yeah, if you are confused and angered and sad and scared but optimistic, that means you're paying attention right now. That's a great way to sum it up right there. We should say that more. I like that. Um, that's all I got to say about the Falcons game. Yeah. Anything else? It looks like the Chargers are they're also two and two, but Chargers two and two, but it a, looks like a two and two with some momentum. They got some dogs over there. They have a lot of dogs. Um, and we're about to hear about that because we're bringing on David, who's co-host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, to help us break down this upcoming Chargers game for you all, the fans, the listeners, because that's what we do. You know? Yeah, that's exactly what we do. So let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on a very special guest, Mr. David Drogemeyer, who is the co-host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, a San Diego native, an Army veteran, served in the jump. You know, thank you for your service, sir. Absolutely. And hey, shout out to all of our active duty military around the world, veterans, um, because of you all, we get to people like Raul and I can sit here and podcast and do stupid shit like this. So we appreciate it. But Absolutely. David, thank you for coming on, sir. Appreciate it. And how are we doing? I'm doing great, man. I mean... It- it's the best time of the year. We're right in the middle of the NFL season. We're kind of getting to a point to where we can kind of really see what our teams are going to look like, how they're really starting to play. And we get to see what they're going to do the rest of the season, man. It's just a, it's a phenomenal time. It's the best time to be alive, man. All the, all the sports you could ever want right in front of you. Two, two and two podcasts, two totally different levels of optimism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i can understand that i, I mean hey the, the chargers have had a very interesting start to the season i mean there there's a lot of expectations and you know i'm sure we'll, we'll get into it but it, you know it hasn't been exactly how we expected so people that our, our listeners know that i went to a very prestigious academic institution for college the university of dayton um, the head coach of the Chargers, Brandon Staley, also went to the University of Dayton. So obviously we know he's just cerebral due to his undergraduate <laughs> place of uh, education. But you just talk about expectations. Talk about what your expectations coming into the season now that he's been here for a little while um, and where you guys are at after four weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think coming into this particular season, the moves that the Chargers made on both sides of the ball, bringing in some you know pretty flashy free agents and also making a major trade like trading for a guy like Khalil Mack. And, you know, you make that type of move when you feel like you're close to achieving a Super Bowl, you know, when, when you're uh, uh, close to challenging for a Super Bowl and then making moves like bringing in J.C. Jackson and signing him to an 80 plus million dollar contract. And, you know, these type of moves here are signaling to your organization, to your fan base that we're here to compete and we're here to try to challenge to win a championship for the first time in our team's or organization's history. So I think the expectations going into the season were sky high, 
probably a little bit too high. Um, but I mean, hey, the, the, there's optim. There's a lot of optimism. You know, then the season starts. You beat the Raiders. You feel really good about that performance. Although Devonte Adams went off, but hey, he's the best receiver in the game. You know, you kind of expect that to an mm-hmm. extent. And then, you know, you go forward and you lose a really tough game to the Chiefs. And uh, you know, that was something where you felt like you come out of that game and you're like, the Chargers can beat that team. You know, you, you feel like they always play them very, very tough, very competitively, and this was no different. And then you just get smoked by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then that was, I think a pretty big wake up call for one, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are for real and they have legitimate talent and they actually have a, a qualified coach that can lead them and are, are scheming them into victories. So I think you have to, you know, put some respect out there for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but after that, the Chargers bounce back and they beat a Houston Texans team has been pretty competitive, although they didn't want a football game up to that point. Nobody blew them out. You know, it was not like they were going down easily. And so the Chargers go in, get a big victory on the road. And now I think after some of the performances you've seen after losing Rashawn Slater uh, for the, you know, conceivably for the year with a biceps tear. You know, they said that he could come back, but, you know, I don't know. Joey Bosa's down, you know, one of your best pass rushers in the league. He goes down and he's gone for, you know, a very extended period of time. And so the Chargers needed people to step up. And one guy who did that was Jamari Sawyer, a sixth-round pick, something that we kind of talked about a little bit before we, we started recording. And it's unbelievable how he stepped in, did not allow a single pressure in 41 pass blocking snaps. Um, you know, he did start at left tackle for Georgia who did win the national championship. So he does have a pedigree, but you still don't expect anyone to step in their first game in the NFL and play like that. So I think right now Charger fans are kind of in the middle, you know, that they feel, you know, pretty decent with where they're at, but they're definitely not content. You guys talk about big expectations coming in. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, obviously, you know, maybe with the smartest coach again, because of where he went to school. Um, and then talent on both sides of the ball which we'll get to when you guys and I know after last week you guys are feeling much better and again it's only four games into the season yes when you guys went on a two-game skid yeah looking at the roster you have and expectations you had what was your temperament like what were people really blaming a two-game skid on yeah so I think one of the the common themes throughout that skid was the the play calling really. And it was just people being very upset with how Joe Lombardi was calling games. And, and there was some merit there. I I think, you know, when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who is, you know, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league has a gigantic rocket arm can really place it anywhere is very athletic. He is obviously dealing with the rib cartilage injury, but you know, he's doing some medical things before the game to kind of, you know, let, let's say control the pain. Cause I mean, that's really what it's all about. And honestly, he's still, playing pretty pretty darn good football he looks it looks like Justin Herbert you know he's leading the league in passing yards and so um I mean I think you feel good about that but man after the two game skid (laughs) Charger fans were ready to get their pitchforks and 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 their flaming torches They, they were very very angry especially after the Jacksonville Jaguars game I think after the Chiefs game they knew coming into that game it was going to be a tough one and I think we've seen after, you know, we've watched the, the Chiefs this year that they're a good football team and they're going to be competitive in the AFC once again, even without Tyreek Hill. But the Jacksonville Jaguars game was a huge shock. You know, that one the, that one was a, a very tough pill to swallow. And, and I think that's when people were very, very angry with the progress and what they were doing. 
But, you know, again, it's a week-to-week league. You know, people are, are happy when you win and pissed off when you lose. You, you know, you can't be the one that's going to please everybody. It's just not going to happen. There's a lot of good two-and-two teams currently in this National Football League, which it's kind of refreshing to not have to see, like, the teams that are just blatant runaways. Uh, I mean, those they might be, but also – I don't know who. who it's too early be. for me. Yeah, it's, it's still too early for me. I feel it's too yeah. early. Um, it is a week to week. But you're not wrong. I'm just saying. I just, yeah. I mean, it's about doing whatever you got to do to get to the playoffs and peak at the right time. Um, yeah. Uh, can you give us what's the latest with Mr. Austin Eckler? Yeah, Austin Eckler. Uh, you know, the first couple of games of this season, uh, people were very worried about what he was doing. He was still catching a ton of passes, but he hadn't scored a single touchdown through three games. And so people were starting to get a little bit worried, but uh, I think against the Houston Texans, he he's really started to come alive. You know, the, the blocking was much better in this football game. Austin Eckler was always, he's always determined, but I think the difference is, is they actually gave him the touches that he deserves. You know, the first couple of games, they're kind of trying to do load management. And hey, Austin Eckler is a smaller running back. He is a guy you want to try to keep in as good condition as you can so he can make it through the entire season. But I think at this point, the Chargers felt like this was a game that they had to have to get their season back on the trajectory that they wanted to be in. So that means giving the ball to your playmakers. And obviously, Austin Eckler is one of the best playmakers in the NFL. He scores three touchdowns in this football game. And uh, you felt like, okay, there he is. He's back. Um, The Chargers realized that he needs to be a key cog in this offense, especially with one of the best receivers in the league, Keenan Allen, being out for several weeks with a hamstring injury. So Austin Eckler needed to get the ball. He got the ball. And I think that is going to be a trend that you will see going forward. Can you talk about the other people in the running game you got michelle back there so i'm excited to watch him versus chubb you know two georgia you know boys um and then you said with um receiver out for with the hamstring for a while um who were some of the names that you guys would be looking to ball out uh, besides herbert on sunday against the browns yeah so i mean what we've been hearing is that keenan allen could be coming back for this game you know he wasn't quite ready to come back for the houston texans game but they are saying that he's very, very close to coming back and should could possibly come back in this one. They have to see how he practices, but it seems like there's a good chance that Keenan Allen could play in this one if he doesn't have any setbacks. So, that figures. That, you know, we'll see. Uh, tight end Gerald Everett has been a big weapon for the Chargers through the first three games, uh, four games of the season here. He's got a couple of touchdowns. He's uh, already formulated a good chemistry with Justin Herbert, trusts him in the red zone. He's a guy that's very physical, gets yards after the catch. He's a he's not the biggest tight end in the world, but he plays like he is. He's violent. He he wants to initiate contact, and he's been a, a good uh, addition to the Chargers' offense. Also, tight end Gerald, uh, excuse me, tight end Donald Parham, who has been out with a hamstring injury the entire season, is going to be coming back for this game. He is six foot eight, has a gigantic wingspan. He is a deceptive yards after catch guy. He can really you know cause some yards in the open field because he has some really deceptive quickness. It's unbelievable to see a guy that size be able to move that well. I definitely feel like he's going to be featured in in the game plan. But honestly, the guy who has had to pick up the slack because Keenan Allen's been out is Mike Williams. 
Mike Williams is the big body wide receiver, and he's really been doing what he does this year. A couple couple of games where he's went off and a couple of games where he's disappeared, and that's kind of what Mike Williams' career has been. You kind of have to take the good with the bad with him, but I really feel like a key thing for him is getting him involved early, getting the ball in his hands immediately, letting him work into the football game. When they do that, they get the best version of Mike Williams. So they've been, they did that against Houston. And I feel like that's another thing that they have to go, whether Keenan Allen plays or not, Mike still needs to be featured in this offense. So Herbert's been dealing with this rib cartilage injury, yeah, um, which is maybe one of the more painful, annoying injuries, even when you're not an NFL player. So yes. uh, right now he leads the league with 1,250 passing yards through the first four weeks. Sunday, he threw for 340 yards and two touchdowns. So how hurt is this guy? Because he's out here balling, but he's also got a pretty nasty injury going on too. Yeah, well, the, the Chargers have had to really try to scheme protection, you know, you know, at an all-time level to try to make sure that while Justin Herbert manages this injury, that he can still try to get better as the weeks go by. Because if anything happens to him to where it's <laughs> – you know, catastrophic. Obviously, this season is going to be completely different. You know, the Chargers can't handle that. Justin Herbert has to be in, you know, good working condition if the Chargers are going to do what they expect to do this season. So for him, you know, he doesn't like to talk about it, but I think we all know what's been happening. He's been getting a shot before the game, you know, with a, a, a guide of a, you know, like, you know, I think it's a sonogram or whatever. You know, it's just to make sure that it goes in the, the right spot that it's supposed to. So he's been getting those pain shots before the game, which that means he can't really feel anything. But the offensive line has done a good job of trying to keep him clean. But you also have to factor in Justin Herbert's just innate ability to shift in the pocket and, and really avoid pressure. He does that so, so well because he goes through his progressions incredibly quickly. He scans the entire field. He has a very, very fast processor and that helps when he's making decisions and avoiding sacks and hits because that's ultimately what you need to do with this type of injury where there's no blood flow that's going to a rib cartilage so it is kind of one of those injuries that take a little bit longer to heal uh so joey boza star edge rusher joins with khalil mack what did boza get hurt game one no it wasn't game one it, it was uh in in the Jacksonville Jaguars game, so it was week three. Um, he uh, he basically he like pulled his groin pretty severely, but then they figured out it wasn't a pull; it was a tear, so that he had to have surgery. But the doctors are telling the Chargers that there is a good chance that he could come back some at some point in this season. I I think the timeline that's been out there is six to ten weeks, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. But of course, with a guy of this caliber. You got to make sure that you bring him back the right way and you can't bring him back before he's ready to go hundred percent. So for the games that he was around, how did the, the Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa tandem was one of probably the most talked about uh, edge combo in the NFL. How are they looking? And follow up question. How's Khalil Mack looking without Bosa? Yeah. So uh, obviously everyone was very, very excited to, to see Joey Bosa pair with a guy that is of that caliber as a pass rusher, because when Joey Bosa is out there, obviously everyone knows that he demands attention and you have to make sure that that guy doesn't wreck the game because he has the ability to do so. So when you have that on one side, but then you have it on the other side with Khalil Mack and what he can do, 
the beautiful thing is, is these guys are phenomenal against the run and elite as pass rushers. They're just fantastic defensive ends. They really are just really high quality football players. So through the first couple of games, it was exciting to see what those guys were able to do to work off each other, you know, to rush from the same side to, you know, play those games to get after the quarterback. And Khalil Mack, I mean, was an absolute uh, unbelievable, you know, week one performance. He got three sacks against the Raiders and you're like, oh my goodness, like, okay. I mean, maybe this guy still does have some gas left in the tank. And so he he's proved that, you know, through four games, he has five sacks. So even with Joey Bosa missing the last, you know, last game, you know, game and a half, Khalil Mack is still getting his and the Chargers are, are showing that they're able to manufacture some more pressure even without Joey Bosa. Obviously, you can't replace a guy of that caliber, but the Chargers have to do it by committee, meaning they got to get pass rush from multiple different areas. And with Joey Bosa out, I know you guys are probably rightfully concerned about your pass rush going into the last game, but when you look at it, you guys had a lot of other guys not named Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa getting to the quarterback, yeah. pressuring, getting some QB hits. Can you talk about some of the other dogs back there? Because you got some boys back there. Yeah, man. So, you know, uh, one of the those key off offseason additions that I didn't talk about was on the interior, and that was Sebastian Joseph Day, who was coming over from the Los Angeles Rams, a guy who was top 10, you know, I think top 15 in run stop percentage, uh, you know, the last couple of years. This guy, all he does is – stop the run you know he's just an, a dominant interior force but he's also uh you know a pretty decent pass rusher so he's added some pass rush also morgan fox another guy who used to work with brandon staley brandon staley likes to bring in guys who know his system that can come in and be that kind of experienced player at every level and so we've seen that you know definitely come to fruition and bear fruit for the chargers you know just having that experience because Brandon Staley's defense is traditionally very, very difficult, and they, they they use they do a lot of different schematically, and so there's a lot to learn. So having guys that have been there and done that before is invaluable. Um, also, Jerry Tillery is actually are you, not to interrupt. Are you saying yeah. that he saw Khalil Mack and he was like, "Oh wow, that guy might be a good player"? Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Brandon Staley was like, "Wait, he's available? Uh, okay, hey Tom, uh, go get him. Second round pick." Uh, that's it. That's okay, here you go. Yeah, a second and a sixth. And they actually got the sixth round pick back uh, by making a trade at the end of the draft. So essentially, it was a second round pick. So your 2022 second round pick for the Chargers was Khalil Mack. Uh, so pretty damn good. You can't get much better than that. So, but yeah, you got to worry about Morgan Fox. You got to worry about Khalil Mack. And you got to worry about Jerry Tillery. Those guys are, are probably the guys that are getting after the quarterback the most for the Chargers. You guys have had a whirlwind last several years. Yeah. In, in Charger, Charger land, Charger country. I mean, obviously the move. Yeah. Then Rivers retires, goes to, off into the sunset with his 15 kids and beautiful family <laughs> and his wife. Yeah. And then you guys, lo and behold, drafts who is, you know, a generational quarterback, franchise quarterback. Um, I guess, you know, coming into the season where you guys, is it Super Bowl or bust, or is it like we just gotta let's maybe next year we're going all in, or is it we're all in now? No, no, it, it's all in right now. I mean, that's definitely what it's been the entire off season. Like I said, with with the moves the Chargers made on the defense, you know, and I think the first year with Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley came in and said that offensive line is not going to work. 
you know, we need to change that up and we got to do it right now. So they go out there and they get Corey Lindsley. They go out and they get Matt Filer. They draft Rashawn Slater. So they make major investments on the offensive line. They said, okay, now this looks a little bit closer to the offensive line that I need to protect my all-star quarterback, Justin Herbert. And now this offseason was all about fixing the defense because that first year, you, you know, you, you have a defensive guy, a defensive guru, a guy who led one of the best defenses, a number one overall defense with the Rams. And then the Chargers have one of the worst defenses in the league. And a lot of that is, you know, learning a new scheme, but also just not having the type of players that he needs to be able to execute that type of defense successfully. So that's what this offseason was about, was getting those type of guys that fit in that are going to be experienced in the scheme, that know how to play it and execute it the way that Brandon Staley needs it to be executed. So, where, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, real, where are you guys at? You know, those rankings that show uh, the top 32 defenses. Yeah. Where have you guys fell? in that thus far. Yeah. So right now looking at, you know, where the chargers are at uh, against the pass, they're, they're doing quite well. I mean, they're, they're much better against the pass than they are against the run. Um, the, the thing is, is the chargers have done a decent job against the run, but they have let one big run off every single game. It feels like a 50 yarder here, a 75 yarder there, a 45 yarder there just in, against the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Houston Texans, a 75 yard run. So they do a good job of containing the run for the most part, but they always let one big runoff and that just drastically skews the numbers. But you know, there's definitely a little bit of a liability there and I wouldn't, I couldn't sit here and say that I'm not a little bit intimidated and scared to go up against the, that two headed monster that you guys have in the backfield and, and Nick Chubb and uh kareem hunt those guys are definitely terrifying uh, well you were talking about the uh the defensive coordinator that he had his scheme and he was waiting for the players and that's kind yeah. of what the browns have been told with yeah. joe woods yeah for like plural years now, <laughs> now like we may have the most expensive uh secondary in football yeah. and hopefully garrett's in hopefully Clowney's in but also those two guys could be out for four weeks like we don't know. Yeah. Um, and this defense, it, they just look like high schoolers. And I'm like, people are saying, well, we have the most productive offense in the NFL or the most efficient offense. And this is the it's first up there. time. It's up there. One of the most. And this is the first time that we're not playing the Panthers, the Jets, the broken Steelers or the Falcons. <laughs> and I think the Falcons were probably the best of those teams that we played. And now it's like, okay. Let's try not to make <laughs> Herbert look like Joe Flacco whenever he plays the Browns. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a compliment because Joe Flacco always. No, I know, I yeah, know. Yeah. yeah, Joe Flacco has his way with them. Like, what it's the ridiculous. shit is wrong with this franchise? But uh, hopefully they what, figure it out. Where else you said you're you're concerned about that two headed monster? I mean, it's. Yeah. I get that. Are there any other areas that you're? Because now I'm just curious thinking about it because I. Yeah, the run game, yeah. I see that, but I, I don't see a whole lot of other areas, if any, where we're over you guys. Yeah, I mean, looking at, at this Browns team, I mean, that's definitely the, the biggest issue that I see. You know, you know, I, I definitely fear that, you know, they're just going to hand it off, you know, 35, 40 times, and they're going to run 
it straight down the Chargers' throats and then, you know, just dared them to stop them. And that very well could be, you know, what they do. Now, against the pass, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not really too intimidated uh, by any of the skill position players that the Browns have. Obviously, you know, you have – you know, you have to give some credit to, you know, the, the tight ends that they have. Njoku's a, a talented guy. He's definitely a, a weapon you have to worry about a little bit. But Brissett, uh, I think he's been decent. He's a, a game manager. That's that's what he that's what he is. So you have to just make sure that, you know, you have to really sell out to stop the run in this game. You know, you have to force Jacoby Brissett to beat you. And that's where I think Derwin James and Bryce Callahan and Asante Samuel Jr., that's where they come into play there i mean that's got to be the game plan against the browns because you know what they're going to do and you know you you know you're they're going to run the football but you don't know if you can stop them yeah and apparently now we do flea flickers with david njoku so who knows what we're going to pull out of our ass on sunday um <laughs> david jogemeyer locked on chargers podcast co-host will you uh do us a pleasure of plugging the podcast tell us more about it where we can find it all that good stuff yeah, for sure, man. Uh, and again, thank you guys for having me. So oh, you guys can on. find the yeah, you can find the podcast on YouTube uh, on our YouTube channel, Locked On Chargers. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On LAC, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Music, Spotify, on pretty much any platform that you guys use. The Locked On Chargers podcast is out there, and we are free and available to listen whenever you want. We'll have all that in the episode description, by the way, as well. Yeah, th- this is been bugging where are you guys at salary cap wise yeah right now they're they're pretty strapped yeah they they went out there and they had a large amount of salary cap um but they spent it you know they spent all their money they have a little bit of reserve i think six or seven million left over but when you look at the cap at least the way it looks right now the chargers are like minus going into next year but i think everyone is anticipating that when the new tv deals kick in that the salary cap is going to inflate quite a bit. So I don't think the chargers are very worried about it, but they are all in on trying to get a championship this year. While you have Justin Herbert on a rookie contract before that guy gets paid in just absolutely astronomical amount of money. The chargers have to go try to take advantage of this unique opportunity. It seems like that's the only way you can win a super bowl nowadays is on a, rookie quarterbacks rookie year not rookie quarterback but on his rookie contract yeah um which not to bounce on Deshaun and on Deshaun Watson but that may be like the best part of the Deshaun Watson trade is resetting that market and everybody else is going to be jumping above it I don't I think it's so much it has to be the quarterback I just think you got to take advantage of the guys that are rookie deals that are studs before yeah. they take their big deals like yeah when you have a guy like Herbert you can say yeah we have to win now because we're not paying him a bazillion dollars yet yeah but by the way yeah. so I know uh, is there any kind of prediction or are people tossing around numbers yet because I I, just, I can't wait to see these contracts are being signed this summer him Burrow I mean, maybe I, I mean, I, I'll just tell you this. I'm glad it's not my money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad it's not my money because my goodness. I mean, if you look at Patrick Mahomes' deal right now, you know, the 500 million, uh, I think that's probably where you're looking close to if we're talking about that many years for Justin Herbert. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be, be naive. What he has done through his first couple of years uh, in the league is nothing short of historic. He has, a million different records that he's broken. In, he's earned in the it. League. Oh, he's earned it big it's, time. It's yeah. ridiculous. The guy is going to get paid uh, and just a, an obscene amount of money. It's just going to be Brinks truck after Brinks truck after Brinks truck. It's, it's ugly, but the guy deserves it. You know, he's one of the 
rare athletes in the NFL. So, you know, it, it's going to be a, a just massive contract. Well, hopefully Sunday's game uh, is is a good game. And yeah. uh, for both of us, we can't really afford any more injuries on the other side of the ball. No, so, uh, please. Yeah, no no kidding. Uh, David, sir, thank you very much again. Appreciate it. Again, we'll have all of his info and the locked on info in the episode description. For Raleigh, for myself, for David, thanks for the Dogs War podcast, and good night, Cleveland.